Guidelines in Practice, Hand Hygiene, by Jennifer Speth. Abstract. Effective hand hygiene is an important part of infection prevention, especially in perioperative areas. The revised AORN, Guideline for Hand Hygiene, provides perioperative personnel with evidence-based practice recommendations for hand hygiene. This article presents an overview of the guideline and discusses specific recommendations for maintaining appropriate fingernail and hand condition, wearing or removing hand and wrist jewelry, performing general hand hygiene, performing surgical hand antisepsis with a traditional hand scrub or surgical hand rub, selecting sinks, faucets, and drains to avoid hand contamination, and implementing quality activities to enhance hand hygiene compliance. It also includes a scenario illustrating how nurses can use the guideline to mitigate hand dermatitis associated with surgical hand antisepsis. Perioperative nurses should review the revised guideline in its entirety and apply the recommendations as applicable for their practice. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and the World Health Organization, WHO, recognize that hand hygiene is an effective intervention to prevent the spread of infection. The WHO estimates that healthcare workers, HCWs, can avoid approximately 50% of preventable infections by performing proper hand hygiene. The revised AORN, Guideline for Hand Hygiene, provides recommendations for performing hand hygiene and surgical hand antisepsis effectively to help promote patient and personnel safety. The guideline addresses 1. Fingernail and hand condition 2. Jewelry 3. General hand hygiene performance 4. Surgical hand antisepsis 5. Sinks, faucets, and drains 6. Towel and alcohol-based product dispensers 7. Product evaluation 8. Education and 9. Quality The AORN Guideline Development Team assessed the available evidence and made recommendations when the benefits of the initiative clearly would exceed the harms. In general, high to moderate quality evidence supports recommendations. The AORN Guideline Development Team also made conditional recommendations when the benefits of the initiative likely would exceed the harms. Any level of evidence supports conditional recommendations under certain conditions. The evidence table for the Hand Hygiene Guideline is available at https://www.aorn.org/docs/default-source/guidelines-research/clinical-research/ nursing-research, slash, evidence-rating-and-tables, slash, hand-hygiene, slash, evidence-table-hand-hygiene-2022.pdf. This article provides an overview of the recommendations associated with fingernail and hand condition, jewelry, general hand hygiene performance, surgical hand antisepsis, sinks, faucets, and drains, and quality. Table 1 contains guideline recommendations that are not discussed in this article. 
Perioperative nurses should review the entire hand hygiene guideline for comprehensive information that may affect their practice. Fingernail and hand condition. In perioperative areas, personnel should strive to maintain short, healthy, natural fingernails. Researchers conducted a direct observational perspective study to determine the effect of an educational presentation on hand hygiene compliance with an alcohol-based hand rub product. The observations focused on applying the hand rub product correctly. Longer nails, length not specified, were associated with an adequate application of the product. Odds ratio equals 1.66, 95% confidence interval equals 1.15 to 2.40. As shown in Figure 1, fingernail tips should not exceed 2 millimeters, 0.08 inch, in length. Findings of a two-year perspective-controlled crossover trial in intensive care units, ICUs, showed an increase in bacterial counts when the nails exceeded 2 millimeters in length. P equals 0.008. Unhealthy fingernails, or fingernails that are longer than 2 millimeters, may harbor microorganisms that may be transmitted to patients and cause infection. Artificial nails and extenders may contribute to the transmission of infection. Therefore, personnel should not wear such fingernail enhancements in perioperative areas. Researchers studied microbial pathogens, for example, gram-negative bacilli, Staphylococcus aureus, yeasts, on the hands of HCWs both with and without artificial nails before and after use of an antimicrobial soap or alcohol-based hand rub product. Before performing hand hygiene with soap, 18, 86%, of 21 HCWs with artificial nails, and 7, 35%, of 20 HCWs with natural nails, that is, the control group, had pathogens present on their hands. P equals 0.003. The results before use of an alcohol-based hand rub were similar. 14, 67%, of 21 HCWs with artificial nails, and 6, 30%, of 20 HCWs with natural nails, had pathogens on their hands. P equals 0.03. Among the HCWs with artificial nails who had pathogens at baseline, after performing hand hygiene, 2, 11%, of 18 HCWs had removed the pathogens with soap, and 5, 38%, of 13 HCWs had removed the pathogens with an alcohol-based hand rub. Among the HCWs with natural nails who had pathogens at baseline, 1, 14%, of 7 HCWs had removed the pathogens with soap, and 4, 80%, of 5 HCWs had removed the pathogens with an alcohol-based hand rub. The researchers concluded that HCWs may not clean their hands effectively when wearing artificial nails, which may contribute to pathogen transmission. Scrub team members should not wear either nail lacquer or enhanced nail lacquer, a coating that supports adhesion of a product to the nail and longer duration of wear, such as ultraviolet-like cured, that is gel, nail lacquer, plastic films, and dips. Such nail coatings may increase the possibility of pathogen transmission to patients because bacteria may collect in crevices in the lacquer or become dislodged during procedures, for example, after a glove tear. 
Available study results on the bacterial load of lacquered nails are inconclusive. An interdisciplinary team comprising nurses, surgeons, anesthesia professionals, infection preventionists, and risk managers should determine whether non-scrubbed perioperative personnel can wear nail lacquer or enhanced nail lacquer in perioperative areas. Researchers conducted a multi-site quasi-experimental study to compare the bacterial load on nails with gel lacquer versus natural fingernails and nails with standard lacquer before and after use of an alcohol-based hand rub product. The study involved the painting of two natural fingernails, that is, the first with gel lacquer, the second with standard lacquer, on the dominant hand. The remaining nails were left natural. The researchers obtained cultures on days 1, 7, and 14 to measure the mean colony-forming units, CFUs, and found that the bacterial burden increased for all nail types. P is less than or equal to 0.0001. A comparison of the mean CFUs on nails showed that on day 7, the bacterial load on the nails painted with standard lacquer was significantly higher than that on the nails painted with gel lacquer. P equals 0.012. When comparing all nail types, there was no significant difference noted between the CFU measurements on day 7 and day 14. Hand hygiene was not effective in reducing the mean CFUs for fingernails with gel lacquer. P equals 0.98. But it was effective in reducing the mean CFUs for natural nails. P equals 0.001. And nails with standard lacquer. P equals 0.0028. The mean CFUs for all nail types after hand hygiene were not significantly different. P equals 0.25. Additional research assessing the effects of enhanced nail lacquer on bioburden levels and hand hygiene efficacy is needed. When healthcare facility policies support the wearing of lacquer in perioperative areas, personnel should maintain the coating without any chips or cracks that may increase the risk for pathogen transmission to patients. Healthcare workers who repeatedly perform hand hygiene are at an increased risk for developing dermatitis. As a result, they may perform hand hygiene less frequently than required, and microorganisms may remain on their hands, thereby increasing the risk for development of infection among patients and personnel. To prevent skin damage and promote optimal hand hygiene, Perioperative nurses should employ effective measures, such as 1. Using moisturizing skin care products compatible with hand hygiene products. 2. Implementing practices that decrease skin irritation, for example, controlling water temperature, completely drying hands. 3. Selecting less irritating hand hygiene products. And 4. Participating in education on hand dermatitis prevention. AORN recommends that facility personnel maintain the water temperature for hand hygiene between 70 and 80 degrees Fahrenheit, 21.1 and 26.7 degrees Celsius, and that personnel perform hand hygiene with an alcohol-based hand rub unless a soap and water hand wash is required, for example, when visible soil is present. AORN conditionally recommends the use of cotton glove liners under non-sterile gloves and sterile cotton glove liners under sterile gloves. Jewelry Scrubbed personnel should not wear hand or wrist jewelry. 
the evidence associated with non-scrubbed perioperative personnel wearing jewelry is inconclusive. AORN conditionally recommends that facility leaders determine when and under what conditions non-scrubbed team members may wear hand or wrist jewelry. For example, smooth ring without stones, wrist watch or personal fitness tracker with a smooth band. Personnel should not wear hand or wrist jewelry when performing tasks requiring sterile technique. Jewelry can affect the microflora on the hands of HCWs. In one study that focused on rings and wristwatches, the authors found that HCWs who wore a wristwatch, N equals 79, had a significantly higher total bacterial count, adjusted effect estimate equals 3.25, 95% confidence interval equals 1.73 to 6.07, P is less than 0.001. When compared to those who did not wear a wristwatch, N equals 121. They also discovered that the hands of HCWs with rings had a higher bacterial load than those without rings. However, most HCWs who wore rings also wore watches, which confounded the results and prevented a definitive conclusion. The researchers suggested that HCWs wear neither hand nor wrist jewelry at work. Results of another study on hand hygiene practices showed that the mean number of species of microbes identified on the hands of ICU personnel who wore at least one ring was significantly higher than for those who did not wear a ring. 2.4 SD equals 1.2 versus 1.88 SD equals 0.9 P equals 0.002 In addition, the wearing of one ring was associated with a higher percentage of gram-negative bacilli than wearing no ring, 17.3% versus 7.4%. P equals 0.049. General Hand Hygiene Performance The benefits of performing hand hygiene in perioperative areas outweigh many of the potential harms. All perioperative personnel who participate in patient care should perform hand hygiene. 1. When hands are visibly soiled. 2. Before contact with patients or performance of clean or sterile tasks. 3. After contact with patients or their surroundings. 4. After any possible exposure to blood or other body fluids. 5. Before eating. And 6. After eating or performing personal hygiene tasks. AORN conditionally recommends determining the perioperative patient zone, that is, quote, the area around the patient that includes equipment in direct contact with a patient and equipment touched by non-scrubbed personnel after patient contact, for the purpose of identifying hand hygiene indications, end quote. Patient care items, such as positioning devices, linens, and electrosurgical units, may be included in this zone. Because the use of gloves does not replace hand hygiene, perioperative personnel should remove gloves and perform hand hygiene when it is indicated. Perioperative HCWs may perform hand hygiene once when multiple indications for hand hygiene occur concurrently. Interrupting some clinical tasks, for example, protecting a patient's airway, performing chest compressions, for hand hygiene activities, may increase the risk of a negative patient outcome. 
Perioperative personnel should consider the risks and benefits associated with delaying hand hygiene during critical patient care tasks. Surgical Hand Antisepsis Perioperative team members should, quote, perform surgical hand antisepsis before donning a sterile gown and gloves for operative and other invasive procedures, end quote. Surgical hand antisepsis involves either applying a surgical hand rub product or performing a traditional surgical hand scrub. Researchers examine the effectiveness of surgical hand antisepsis by comparing use of a hydroalcoholic solution according to WHO protocol with use of a traditional surgical hand scrub product. They measured the mean CFUs on the hands of scrubbed participants, for example, surgeon, nurse, the duration of the antisepsis process, and the associated product cost. Both surgical hand antisepsis methods resulted in lower mean CFUs. The researchers detected CFUs in 5, 7.3%, of 68 cultures after use of the hydroalcoholic solution and 14, 20.5%, of 68 cultures after use of the traditional hand scrub product. P is less than 0.05. After glove removal, CFU rates for both product types were higher than those recorded after surgical hand antisepsis. Although the mean CFUs for participants who used the hydroalcoholic solution were lower than the mean CFUs for participants who used the traditional hand scrub, the results were not significant. The results also showed that the hydroalcoholic solution required approximately half as much time to apply than the traditional hand scrub. P is less than 0.0001 and was less than half the cost of the traditional hand scrub. The researchers concluded that using the hydroalcoholic solution was more effective, less time-consuming, and less costly than performing the traditional hand scrub. As stated previously, personnel should remove all jewelry from their hands and wrists before performing any type of surgical hand antisepsis. They should don a mask, wash their hands if there is visible soil present, and then perform surgical hand antisepsis according to the selected product manufacturer's instructions for use, IFU. Improper application of scrub products may reduce the effectiveness of the surgical hand antisepsis process. Surgical hand rub. Before performing a surgical hand rub, the scrub person should use a nail cleaner and running water to remove debris from under the fingernails. After using a disposable paper towel to dry the hands thoroughly, they should apply the recommended amount of surgical hand rub product to the hands and arms and allow it to dry completely. Surgical hand scrub. Scrub personnel should remove debris from underneath the fingernails using a disposable nail cleaner under running water before applying the hand scrub product to the hands and arms with the soft, non-abrasive sponge side of the scrub brush. They should avoid using the bristles of the brush. The scrub person should maintain their hands in an elevated position, that is, elbows lower than hands, and wash all four planes, that is, front, back, both sides of each finger, hand, and arm. After scrubbing the hands and arms for the recommended length of time, they should discard the sponge, rinse the hands and arms in one direction under running water, that is, fingertips to elbows, see figure two. Hold the hands and arms away from the body with the hands elevated 
and then enter the operating or procedure room. Sinks, faucets, and drains. There are several kinds of hands-free scrub sinks. For example, electronic sensor, manual, available to purchase for procedural areas. When preparing to purchase sinks for use in perioperative areas, that is, for hand hygiene, for surgical hand antisepsis, personnel should select sinks, quote, that minimize the risk for hand contamination, for example, hands-free, end quote. Such sinks reduce the risk of cross-contamination and allow the scrub person to maintain sterile technique when performing a surgical hand scrub. An interdisciplinary water management team with representatives from a variety of departments, for example, safety, industrial hygiene, environmental services, epidemiology, facilities, risk management, should assess the risks associated with sinks that have electronic sensors. The team should consider the 1. Frequency of sink use 2. Temperature of the holding water 3. Location and volume of the mixing chamber 4. Water flow rate and 5. Complexity and composition of the internal components Researchers evaluated electronic faucets in a neonatal ICU during a Pseudomonas aeruginosa outbreak. In addition to collecting environmental samples in patient care areas, they sampled electronic and hand-activated faucets, including the filters and water. All of the water and filter samples that contained P. aeruginosa originated from electronic faucets. They also identified the bacterium and liquid soap from a dispenser in a patient room. None of the hand-activated faucets were contaminated with the microorganism. After removal of the electronic faucets, the infection rate decreased. Results of another study showed that 19, 95%, of 20 electronic sensor faucets grew Legionella species in at least one water sample compared with 9, 45%, of 20 manual faucets. P equals 0.001. The researchers tested 12 internal components of electronic faucets before chlorine dioxide remediation, and all components grew L. pneumophila. Two of the 13 components tested after chlorine dioxide remediation grew L. pneumophila. This result showed that it is difficult to disinfect the internal components of electronic sensor faucets. The researchers suggested that the combination of the internal components in electronic faucets and low flow rates may provide an optimal environment for biofilm growth. Based on the findings from the study, the facility leaders decided to remove the electronic faucets from all clinical areas. There may be a lack of sink use associated with the routine application of waterless hand rubs. As a result, water may stagnate, leading to subsequent growth of bacteria. When an electronic faucet has a low flow rate, for example, 2 liters per minute, there may not be enough force to remove the bacteria. To minimize the dispersal of potential waterborne pathogens from perioperative sinks, faucets, and drains into surrounding areas, facility or construction personnel should install sinks with deep basins and splash guards. The faucet should not discharge directly over the drain, and the water pressure should be adjusted to avoid discharge into the sink at maximum flow. Personnel should clean sinks and surrounding areas regularly. Quality 
The fast-paced nature of the perioperative environment may present a barrier to timely hand hygiene compliance. AORN recommends the use of visual reminders to help encourage perioperative personnel to perform hand hygiene. Using visual reminders, holding education sessions, and implementing standardized infection control guidelines resulted in a 26.2% improvement in hand hygiene compliance among anesthesia professionals performing airway management tasks. Anesthesia professionals complete several critical tasks in a short period of time and may touch the patient and the items in the environment several times. During an observational study at a large academic teaching hospital, researchers counted the number of environmental contacts and hand hygiene events per hour during anesthesia induction and maintenance. The mean number of contacts during induction was 154.8, standard error, SE, equals 7.7, versus 60, SE equals 3.1, during maintenance. P is less than 0.0001. Multivariate analysis of hand hygiene events showed that a mean of 1.84, SE equals 0.43. Events occurred during induction versus 1.19, SE equals 0.027, events during maintenance, P equals 0.017. The mean number of hand hygiene events per 100 hand hygiene opportunities was 4.0, SE equals 1.0, and 9.0, SE equals 2.0, respectively, for induction and maintenance, P is less than 0.001. The researchers identified a need for specific hand hygiene guideline recommendations for anesthesia professionals. Perioperative team members may benefit from determining ways to improve workflows and decrease unnecessary indications for hand hygiene. For example, interrupted patient care tasks. Scenario Aspen, a perioperative nurse, has worked in the OR for the last 20 years. Although she has maintained competency to perform in the scrub role during much of her career, she has worked as an RN circulator. Approximately nine months ago, several surgical technologists left the facility and some nurses retired. As a result of the staff scheduling shortages, Diala, the charge nurse, began assigning Aspen to scrub routinely. When performing surgical hand antisepsis, Aspen generally completes a traditional hand scrub with chlorhexidine gluconate and water for the first procedure of the day. However, she likes the surgical hand rub product, so to save time, she uses it for subsequent procedures. She stores a bottle of scented hand lotion in her locker and applies it routinely at the beginning of her lunch break and at the end of her assigned shift. Approximately six months after she began scrubbing routinely, Aspen developed pruritus and noticed the skin on her hands was dry and red. A few days later when she arrived at work, she noticed cracked skin on the backs of her hands with a few areas of drainage. She reported her symptoms to Diala, who sent her to the employee health department for care. The advanced practice nurse, VJ, assessed Aspen's hands and told her that it appeared to be hand dermatitis and she would not be able to perform in the scrub role until her hands healed. He provided a prescription for a lotion to aid in the healing process and suggested that Aspen reassess how she performs surgical hand antisepsis. 
Aspen returned to the OR and shared her work restriction with Diala. She also met with Stefan, the clinical educator, to identify ways to decrease skin irritation during and after surgical hand antisepsis. Aspen described her routine scrubbing process and told Stefan that she believed it was important to perform a traditional hand scrub with a brush at the beginning of the day. When Stefan asked her which side of the scrub brush she was using, she told him she always used the bristles and added that she had noted the water at the scrub sinks always felt very hot. Stefan explained that hand dermatitis is very common for HCWs and shared some interventions to help prevent and minimize the condition. He advised Aspen to avoid using the bristles when she returned to the scrub roll because they can cause skin damage. He also mentioned that it appeared that the water temperature might be a concern and told her that he would submit a service request with the engineering department to assess the temperature and lower it if necessary. Finally, Stefan asked Aspen if she had verified the compatibility of the different hand products that she was using for hand hygiene and surgical hand antisepsis. She had not. Aspen added that it was unfortunate that a traditional hand scrub was required at the beginning of each day. Stefan looked perplexed and told her that the interdisciplinary team had specifically chosen a surgical hand rub product that only required regular hand washing, not a traditional surgical scrub, at the beginning of the day. Aspen was surprised by this information and asked if it meant she could wash her hands, dry them, and apply the surgical hand rub. Stefan confirmed that her understanding was accurate and shared the manufacturer's IFU for the surgical hand rub product with her. Aspen said that she was using personal hand lotion at lunchtime and at the end of the workday because she liked the scent. Stefan advised that the engineering department had installed lotion dispensers near the scrub sinks in the last six months and that the interdisciplinary team had confirmed this lotion's compatibility with the surgical hand antisepsis and hand hygiene products. He suggested that Aspen begin using the facility-provided lotion after her skin issues were resolved. He told her that he would discuss the need to stock sterile cotton liners with the materials manager so that they would be available if Aspen needed them. Aspen returned to the employee health department approximately three weeks later, and VJ noted that the skin on Aspen's hands had healed. She told him of her plans to change her hand-scrubbing process and mentioned that she had been unaware of the decisions made by the interdisciplinary team. VJ confirmed that he had been involved with the product selection process and provided her with a medical release to scrub. Aspen began using the approved surgical hand rub product before procedures and according to the manufacturer's IFU. She also began using the facility-provided lotion after washing her hands at the end of procedures. During winter months when the air was dry, Aspen used the sterile cotton glove liners. She did not experience any additional episodes of hand dermatitis. Conclusion During fast-paced perioperative patient care, personnel may have multiple opportunities to perform hand hygiene. To help prevent the transmission of microorganisms to patients and personnel, perioperative team members who perform patient care tasks should maintain optimal fingernail and hand condition. Scrub personnel should not wear any type of nail lacquer and should remove all jewelry from the hands and wrists before performing surgical hand antisepsis. Non-scrubbed personnel should remove hand and wrist jewelry 
before performing procedures that require sterile technique. Personnel should adhere to the manufacturer's IFU when performing either a traditional hand scrub or surgical hand rub, and consider interventions to help prevent dermatitis. When selecting sinks for installation in perioperative areas, an interdisciplinary team should perform a risk assessment and choose sinks that minimize the risk of hand contamination. Visual reminders may assist personnel with increasing their hand hygiene compliance.